today we are starting a brand new series called The Art of Neighboring. And this series is going to be all about how we relate with other people, not just the people in your neighborhood, but all the people that you might interact with. And what we're discovering is that, especially in this season, what we could all use a little bit more of right now are some good neighbors. This series isn't so much about finding good people to call your neighbors, but it's about the art of being a good neighbor. And in fact, today we're going to look at one of Jesus' most common parables that you've probably already heard. But we're going to dig into it, not because it shows us necessarily how to be a neighbor, but the core thing behind it is that it shows us why we want to be better at the art of neighboring. Before we get any further into that story, though, I just want to start with a quick definition because this is going to be something that we come back to throughout not only today's message, but in future weeks, too. Like, what do we mean by neighboring? Neighboring is simply the art of building a bridge to someone else's life where you understand that in order to relate with them, you might need to invest a little bit to get to know them, to to be able to relate with them. And neighboring is simply the art or the ability to be able to connect with people. In fact, you probably know this. If, If you know someone who's really outgoing, maybe one of your neighbors or someone at work, you know that they have this crazy ability to just create bridges with all sorts of people, whether they've met them once or a hundred times. And some people have this innate ability to create bridges with others. And what we want to do throughout this series is help you not just discover how to do that as maybe a follower of Jesus, but also why this is such an essential thing. And I think for most of us, the why right now is pretty self-explanatory. To begin with, we had COVID-19, which sent us all into our own little spaces and made us completely disconnected. But Other than the physical isolation that it brought, it also maybe had one unexpected element. People started to separate themselves into different camps. Should you wear a face mask? Should you not wear a face mask? Should you go out in public? Should you not go out in public? Should we reopen? Should we not reopen? And this has served as a thing that has separated people just with that. And then throw on top of that, the fire of all of these protests and riots and the, the, the racism thing going on. And there's so many different aspects to that that we're not going to directly address in today's message or even in the series, but we're going to adjust and address how to approach situations where maybe even racism is an issue and you have to acknowledge it and work through it. Neighboring is the art of building a bridge to someone's life. And today, we're going to open up a parable for you from Jesus to show you part of how to do that, but more importantly, why it's such an important thing to do. And to set the context, we're going to dive into Luke's account of Jesus' life. And Luke, remember, he was the one who did all these eyewitness interviews and talked to people who interacted with Jesus and and saw Jesus. And what Luke does here is he records this very memorable moment where Jesus is confronted by an expert in the law. We might call him a lawyer, but basically he was an expert in the Jewish Old Testament laws where God had given the Ten Commandments and hundreds and hundreds of other rules and ceremonies that the Jewish people had to follow. And this expert in those laws walked up to Jesus one day and he said, Jesus, of all the commandments that are out there, which one is the most important? And Jesus gave him a brilliant answer that this man acknowledged to be true. This is what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God 
and love your neighbor as yourself. There's really two parts to the most important commands. In fact, Jesus would, would also say everything in the law hinges on these two truths. Love God and love your neighbor and recognize what this is. Jesus is saying the most important thing is to maintain that bridge between you and God and to maintain a bridge open between you and your fellow people. All of the laws basically show you how to do those two things. Now, as this expert in the law heard Jesus answer, he, he must have heard that first part and said, yeah, we kind of get that one. Like, no one can argue that it's good to keep that bridge open to God and to have the relationship with him. But as he started to think about the second commandment, things might have gotten a little dicey. Like, what does it mean to love your neighbor? Because no one can love everyone, or so he thought. And so check this out. In verse 29, the man replies with this. He wanted to justify himself. And he wanted to justify himself for the reason maybe that you and I want to justify ourselves when accusations come our way. He wanted to justify himself because he realized that when it comes to the neighbors around him, he had not loved everyone. No one can love everyone. And so he wanted to ask the question, well then, who is my neighbor? And what results is a parable that Jesus told that illustrates not only who is your neighbor, but more importantly, why we should be good at the art of neighboring. And as we're going to get into it, here's maybe the deeper truth that I want to challenge you to think about today and throughout this week. And it's a question or maybe a truth, a principle that's going to get you to think a little bit differently about what Jesus has to say about loving God and loving the people around you. It's simply this. It's number one for today. Why you neighbor determines who you neighbor. If you're looking to build bridges with other people because you have a lot in common and it solidifies your views, that will determine who you neighbor. If you're in need of someone who can provide a certain skill or a certain ability, that will determine who you neighbor with, who you build those bridges with. A lot of times, why you neighbor is going to shape and determine who you neighbor. And as you go back to the question that this lawyer asked Jesus, he was simply asking, well, who do I need to love in order to meet God's standard? Like, what kind of a person do I need to be and who has to be my neighbor? And as Jesus, you know, looks at the root issue, it's not just how to be a neighbor, but at the core of it is why. And maybe this is going to make you pause for a moment right now or this week and, and think to yourself, why have I chosen the friends that I have chosen? And why am I trying to build bridges to certain people that I don't yet have that friendship with? Why am I doing that? Who am I looking for? And to help shape you as you search out the answer for that question and to help guide you through that process, we're going to look at the next part of what Jesus says because he gets into this parable or this story that helps to illustrate the truth of what he's getting at. That why you neighbor will determine who you neighbor. And he tells this story. Luke chapter 10 verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man, and we're not giving, given any information other than where he was coming from and who, where he's going to. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, down elevation-wise, when he was attacked by robbers. Now, we might think of this today and say that's a very uncommon thing. Like, we don't drive down the interstate and we're not stopped and held at gunpoint and robbed by robbers. But back in those days, this would have been a very common thing because help was not a phone call away. 
There were many isolated roads and areas where robbers could easily hijack a person, rob them, and then just leave them for dead. And that's exactly the point that Jesus brings up. And I'm sure as he's telling this story, the people that were listening to him that day were kind of shaking their heads because they knew someone that this had happened to. Or maybe even they themselves had been at the hands of robbers who had robbed them and then left them for dead. So a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes because back then clothes were a very valuable thing. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. What a horrible state, but there's a glimmer of hope in what the next sentence Jesus says. He says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And while this would have made perfect sense with no explanation to the people who Jesus was talking to, a priest was someone obviously who was like a worker for God. He was supposed to be the intercessor between God and people. He was the, supposed to be the most looked up to person in the entire community. But as Jesus talks about the thing that God wants, he's not interested in a person's role or title. He's interested in how they love their neighbor. This person's title does not impress God because here's, in this made-up story, here's what happened. The priest going down the same road, when he saw the man, he identified him, he passed by the other side. We could make some observations or maybe some guesses as to why this could have been the case. Again, this is a made-up story, so this isn't one of those important details, but maybe the priest didn't want to interact with a dead body or, or a person who could potentially be dead because then he would be unclean ceremonially and it would be a big hassle for him. So maybe he said, I'm just going to avoid this and keep going and keep going. We don't know, but for some reason he passed by on the other side. And then another person walks by. So too, a Levite. And again, the people in those days would have known immediately that a Levite was a worker in the temple. Basically, their full-time job was to be a church worker, either maintaining the physical grounds or assisting the priests with their duties. A, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, identified what his problem was and, and recognized what was going on, he passed by on the other side. And again, why would he do that? That's not the point of this parable but maybe they had a compelling reason. Maybe the reason for passing by was simply to, to maintain his schedule. He had to be at a certain place by a certain time, or he had been working all day and now he was trying to get home, or he had to present himself for duty in the morning and he didn't want to become unclean that day. But the point is, something kept them on the other side. And rather than dwelling too much longer on that, I want to ask you the question. As you think about the relationships you've grown in your life, as you think about the bridges you've made, you can also think about the people that you've been avoiding, the people that you know have been in need, but instead of engaging with them, you've passed by the other side. And my question that I want you to wrestle with is this, what's keeping you on the other side? What's been compelling you to stay away from that person? Has it been a matter of convenience? And just hear me real quickly here. I'm not saying that every single person in need, it's, it's your duty to put, you know, drop everything in your, in your life to help them. But what I am saying is that when you see a unique need that not many people can fill and you go around the other side, why is that? Is this bringing up for you maybe a name or a face of someone that you've been deliberately avoiding 
maybe as a matter of convenience, or maybe because you don't want to make the investment. What's been keeping you on the other side? As you think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is some conviction. But as Jesus goes on in this story, he's going to unfold for us a beautiful truth that takes the focus off of me and off of you and off of the, the mistakes we've made. It, it gets our, our focus off of the people we've skipped by. As he continues the story, he gives us a brief shadow, a brief glimpse of what he did for you. He continues with these words, but a Samaritan, and again, the people in those days would have recognized what this was all about, but Samaritans and the Jewish people that Jesus was talking to, they were opposed. If there was a form of racism in the first century, this was it. The Jews and the Samaritans were long lost cousins, but there was a big difference between them when it comes to their, their background and their genes. And there's always this conflict and th that the two avoided each other at all costs. And so to hear that a man from Jerusalem, a Jew coming down to Jericho, who is in great need, would now have a Samaritan walk by, what do you think would happen? Well, as Jesus continued the story, he said something that would have made those people in his immediate audience gasp, but also perhaps find some hope in humanity. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took something. He didn't take something from the man. He didn't find a coin purse and take that. But he didn't take something from him. He took something for him. He took pity on him. He took pity. He had compassion. His heart went out to him because maybe this Samaritan realized that though this man was a Jew, though he might be regarded as second rate, he understood that this was a fellow human being in need. So he had pity on him. He took pity on him. And he went to him, not around him. And I think this illustrates beautifully an important element of the art of neighboring. The why behind neighboring is usually compelled by something that breaks your heart. Number three, what breaks your heart compels you to build a bridge, to go to someone, to bring to them something that they might need. What breaks your heart? As you look back at your life, you can probably see what breaks your heart because that's the thing that you've been building bridges towards. You've been building bridges. I'm just thinking of us as a church. We've been building bridges with people in Thailand so that they can have the money and the resources they need to be able to go to school and learn about God. What breaks your heart is, for me, people who, who maybe have given up on understanding the Bible or given up on God because it just doesn't make sense with everything they see in this world. What breaks your heart will often compel you to build a bridge to give whatever help you can to the person whom you pity or the person who's in need. And for that Samaritan, what broke his heart was seeing a fellow human being who was beaten up, left for dead, and on top of that, being ignored by the people who should have been the first to help. So he went to the man. He bandaged him up. He was pouring oil and wine on his wounds, and that sounds weird to us, but that was basic first aid back then to disinfect the wounds. Then he put the man on his own donkey, which means he would have had to walk, and he brought him to an inn 
and took care of him. He was not close enough to his house to take him to his house, but he said, I will take him to an inn and take care of him there. And Jesus could have ended this story and the people would have been amazed, but the story continues. The next day, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Here's, here's what we owe for the night. Here's a little bit extra. And if you incur any extra costs, I will come back and pay them. Now, I think a character that we often overlook in this parable is the innkeeper. <laughs> Just imagine that kind of generosity. If you were that innkeeper and you saw this Samaritan bring in this Jewish man, take care of him, and then pay for him, would that not compel you to show generosity likewise? So that when that Samaritan would re- return, no, there's no bill. We're taking care of him together. But that, that, that's a side note. There's this generosity because his heart was broken over what happened to this man. He built this bridge, and this bridge, this relationship, was the means by which he could care for him and help him. And so Jesus finishes the story, this unprecedented generosity between people who should have had nothing in common. And then Jesus drops a bomb of a question. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Now this lawyer he was talking to, he'd given his opinion plenty of times. His job was to analyze the law and give, you know, give, give his opinion, give his ruling on how things should be. But now he's being confronted with a question that just makes him pause and say an uncomfortable truth. The one who was a neighbor is the one who he least expected. Verse 37, Jesus, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him is the one who was a neighbor. The one who had mercy. And this starts to get to the heart of what God is looking for when it comes to the art of neighboring. Not necessarily how to do it, we'll talk about that next week, but why. It's a matter of showing mercy to other people, showing compassion. It's an ability to let what breaks your heart compel you towards action to share the love, the kindness, generosity that God has shown to you and share it with others. And this lawyer is painted back into a corner because he acknowledges it's not a matter of title or role. It's not a matter of heritage or genetics. It's not about what country you are or what color your skin is. To be a neighbor simply requires an act of mercy. And so as he comes forward with this truth, he knows He knows in his own heart what that means for him. And so Jesus, as he responds to this good answer, Jesus did not tell him, go and think about what this means for you. (laughs) He didn't say, go meditate on this for a while and consider this. Jesus did not tell him, I know that it's tough, but try to be more loving towards people who are different than you. You know, Jesus, the, the point wasn't to conform his behavior The point was, Jesus was addressing the why. Be a neighbor. Why? Be a neighbor. And in case it wasn't clear, here's what Jesus did tell him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This isn't something you need to pause and think about, but if you have trouble being a neighbor to people who are nothing like you, if if you have trouble showing pity and compassion to people who should be shown pity and compassion, 
then there's something internal that's misaligned. And to bring you back into this story, I want to repeat the question that we already asked. What's keeping you on the other side? If you view yourself keeping away from a certain person or certain people and you avoid them, even in moments of need, when they should be shown compassion, what's keeping you on the other side? And this isn't something where you need to fix your behavior. This is something that goes down to the very heart of who we are and what we ourselves have received. You see, here's where we all need to ask a bigger question, and it's not just how do we neighbor other people and why we neighbor other people, but it's how God came to us. As he came to Adam and Eve that first day in the garden, and as he confronted them with what they did, he walked towards them. And that's something that we, I often overlook. He, he was there with them in that garden, walking with them. He came towards them. He did not keep around. He did not keep to the side. He came up to them because he loved them. And he made a promise that though what they had just done as they sinned and brought death into the world, what they'd done has now created this gap, this distance between God and man. And God told them about the consequences of that. At the same time, he said, there will be one day that my son will come, a savior will come to bridge that gap. And one day when Jesus finally came, he was talking to someone and he said, you know what, the son of man, he didn't come here, he didn't bridge this gap to bring condemnation, but rather him who is the fullness of grace and truth came to us because he pitied us. He had compassion, he had mercy. Jesus came near because of what he had to share. He came near, he built that bridge, not because he wanted something from us, but because he took pity for us. And he wanted to give us that gift of forgiveness. And so if you're not a Christian, you can see the power of these moments where people who should be opposed to each other and should be enemies have seen through their differences and come together for the greater good. But if you are a Christian, there's not just beauty in that. You are compelled by what God has shown to you through Christ to bridge those gaps when they exist so that you can share the mercy and compassion that God first showed to you when Jesus came to this world. He came near, near because he had something to share and that is the why behind our neighboring the neighboring that we do to build bridges, sometimes there's a common thing we have in, in common, and that's one first step to creating a bridge. But the art of neighboring is so much more than just getting to know people. It's about building a bridge that's strong enough to carry across it the love of Jesus and maybe even the good news of what Jesus has done for them. And that's a whole new way to look at the art of neighboring. And it definitely shapes who is your neighbor. So I have two pieces of homework for today. Again, today's message is more setting up what it means to, to be a neighbor. N starting next week, we're going to look at how to be a neighbor, and we're going to give you some practical tips on that as we look at some other truths from what Jesus said. But first of all, we have some homework for today that might be easy and it might be hard. There's two questions I have for you, or two things to look into. One of them for you is probably going to be easy, and one of them is probably going to be hard because we're all wired in a little bit of a different way. 
The first piece of homework is this, to evaluate your five closest friendships, to look at the bridges you've built with those people and ask, why did I create that bridge and what is being moved across it? What are we sharing here? And is this an opportunity for me or for them to share and reflect the love of God either through deed or through word? Evaluate your five closest friendships. And some of you, if you're outgoing, like you, you know those five friendships right away, and you can see, you know, evaluate the value of those and whether or not they need to be re- readdressed or thought of differently. And then the other question is maybe a little bit harder. Would you identify a person you've been staying away from? We're kind of like in the story Jesus told, and in, instead of going to them, you've been staying away from them. You've been keeping your distance. And would you just think about this week, maybe why you've been doing that? And as you think about the who, who is your neighbor, and, and you know who they are, would you maybe realign your heart to remember why God wants you to be a neighbor? Not because you get something from them, although sometimes with a good neighbor there is that, but to give something to them, to share with them your gifts, your abilities, or maybe even to build a bridge that's strong enough to share with them the hope of Jesus so that they too can know what God has done for them and how God came near to them to share forgiveness with them. Now next week, I hope you can join us for part two because we're going to see that it can be a very difficult thing to love someone if you are unable to understand them. In fact, it's impossible to love someone if you refuse to understand them. And next week, we're going to navigate what that means for us and how Jesus wants us to become better at the art of neighboring when it comes to understanding the people that we're with. But for today, let's close with a prayer. Dear Jesus, all those years ago, 2,000 years ago, you told this story about a Samaritan who took pity on a traveler and simply went out of his way to help him and to be a neighbor to him. And this is a story that both motivates us and excites us, but it can also be a story that brings some guilt. And as you told that story, the point was to highlight in us a deficiency that only you can address. As we think about our neighbors and the people we've ignored, it brings into, into our minds this, the, the truth that we are sinful, that we have missed the mark. But with you, there is forgiveness. With you, you brought near to us what was so far. You brought near the love of our Father and the forgiveness that we needed so that we can be neighbors with you and friends of him. So use that truth of what you've done for us to shape why we want to neighbor. And maybe, just maybe, that'll have an impact on who we view our neighbors to be. I pray all those things in Jesus' name. Amen.